Even you, Shannon. <laughs> Psalm 70, uh, one of our final psalms here before we move on out of this book for a season. Psalm 70 is almost a mirror of Psalm 40, verses 13 through 17. So it's kind of interesting to have it uh, kind of quoted out of the middle of Psalm 40 here. Um, Just read Psalm 40 together if you want to flip back. It's only 30 chapters, you can handle it. As it says, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. So there's a number of variances uh, between Psalm 70 and Psalm 40, and yet it seems to be somewhat of a quote. Whether it's verse 1, the phrase that would say in 40, Be pleased, O Lord, missing in Psalm 70. Or verse 2, lacking the word together or mutual. Uh, The psalmist requests that his enemies be turned back because of their shame. But verse 3 says, let them be uh, confounded because of their shame. So on and so forth. And as Don Williams says, what we learn from this variant is that these prayers are living word in Israel's life. As they were used in worship, they were modified under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to fit their times and liturgical purposes. This also helps us to understand further modification in the New Testament quotations of the Psalms that may come as paraphrases, citations from the Hebrew text, or from the Septuagint. And so there's this excerpt from Psalm 40, quoted again, perhaps taken out for like a specific purpose in temple worship or in some sort of gathering there at the temple to suit the occasion. One man said that it's a fit pendant to Psalm 69 and it's a suitable preface to Psalm 71. We've taught both of those and so here we are in the middle. A pendant and a preface. It says it's to bring to remembrance Spurgeon called it a poor man's memorial, these five verses. And so, verse 1, Psalm 70 says, Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. So, make haste, make haste. The first make haste is hurry. Hurry up. I don't know where I heard this once before. I feel like it was from like a Haley Mills movie from like the 50s. But something about 
haste makes waste or something like that. You know, if you hurry, you're going to spill it or you're going to whatever. And David doesn't care about that. <laughs> He's like, just haste, okay? Hurry up and come deliver me or save me. Interesting just how it's not forbidden when we're in times of deep distress to ask the Lord to hurry up, to hurry up like a 911 call, you know, and and you're on the phone and there's, you know, there's just trauma and wounds and, you know, it's been an accident. And what do you tell the, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. We need you. And it's not wrong. It's so cool to see it in the scriptures to ask for the Lord to speed up in his rescue. And it might be good for us just to day by day have prayers like this, recognizing our frailty and our deep need for him to rescue us and deliver us and help us. Make haste, O Lord, or hurry. But then the psalm that we read, chapter 40, verse 13 said, be pleased, O Lord. That was that version of it. So hurry up, but also I hope it's pleasing to you. I want it to be pleasing to you the way that you help me out of this crisis. I want it to be according to your will and plan. Take pleasure, Lord, in delivering me from my evil and my iniquities that I'm drowning in. Please, I hope it pleases you when you save me and Isaiah 53, the Messianic Psalm says that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to wound his son so that he would put him to grief. When you made him an offering for sin. And so when we say, Lord, let it please you when you hurry up to save me. It pleased the Lord and his plan of salvation to wound his son and make him an offering of sin to deliver us and to save us. And that'll take us down to verse 5. That everyone who loves his salvation say continually, God be magnified. And man, isn't it something beautiful when you think of that? It pleased the Lord to save us through the death of his son, through the wounds of on the lamb. If you love that, let it be said in your heart tonight, God be magnified. Make haste. He says it again. Make haste to help me, O Lord. It's a different word for make haste. Apparently they've got to have a few of them. And it means to go so quickly that you swoop down, almost like an eagle. Come and do some swooping, Lord. Come down to rescue me. Come like Tarzan on the vine or like the eagle sworn to, you know, whatever you got to do, swoop down speedily to rescue me. It's believed that this psalm was probably kind of along with the surrounding psalms around the time of Absalom's rebellion against his dad, David, and about the time that Ahithophel, David's once wise and trusted counselor, had betrayed him and was giving his son counsel on how to uh, how to capture and kill his dad, David. And uh, it's believed that, that it was written in that time frame as far as 40 goes and then uh, remembered later on in David's life uh, in this temple song again, 70. Verse 2, let them be ashamed. You shouldn't have, Mark. 
Oh, no, never mind. You didn't. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> so kidding. No, no, no. I'm totally kidding. I just had to tease you. You're such a servant. Wow. Praise God. You remind me of somebody. Ah, thanks, bud. That's refreshing. Is that out of the refrigerator? Anybody? <laughs> All right. Praise God for that guy. Uh, so let them be ashamed and confounded who seek my life. Let them be turned back and confused who desire my hurt. That was verse 2. Um, the 40 said, I'm just going to call it the 40, okay? Uh, bring them to mutual confusion. Drive them backward in their dishonor. And, and so these enemies just... And man, think about the time that you've had enemies and maybe it's you now and you can imagine David's case and you imagine the Lord's case and just these guys that are trying to kill him, they're seeking to destroy his life. They wish him evil. They desire hurt, verse 2 said. And so how fitting that kind of in their being conquered, they're humiliated and they're humbled ashamed and confounded, both mean to humiliate. And that it would cause them to turn. And, and the word means to diverge, uh, to diverge as, a, as if a river is being diverged or if a path is being diverged. And in their humiliation, they're on their way, they're on their course, they've plotted the path for your destruction and for your life. And that when the Lord swoops down in his hurried rescue, it causes a, a divergent in their path to where they, they're humiliated and they just kind of be like, you know, they're on their way and then just kind of, oh, we'll just kind of go this way now, <laughs> you know. And it uh, seems to be, you know, the, the idea here that they're humbled and put to shame and disgraced as they were so intent to kill and to wish evil on David. Verse 3 says, let them be turned back because of their shame. And so shame would be the reason that they turn back. The humiliation is the purpose that drove them backwards. 40, the 40, said, let them be confounded because of their shame. But it adds, who say to me, aha, aha. One commentary said, this exclamation of his enemies is a Hebrew expression of malicious joy. I mean, you can just hear it, can't you? Aha! I don't, I'm not doing it justice. Anybody here got a good one? Aha! I know, that wasn't good. Okay, we'll practice that after, okay? Um, but it says that there's no real English equivalent. So that's why I can't do it. There's, you know, ha-ha-ha, you know? Something along those lines. As I was reading out of a commentary today, I, sometimes the books, I'll um, read it into my phone and it'll put it to text and it messes up all the time. So if you ever hear me quoting something, it just those aren't real words. It's, it's the phone's fault. But um, So today as I was reading it, I'm all, uh, aha, aha. <laughs> and uh, all it got was, ha, 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 ha. So, see, it doesn't translate. Ha, ha. Anyways, I think we've beat that. Okay, well, what I read had said that the enemies like taking pot shots of God's people 
while shouting contemptibly, pot shots, pew, pew, you know, and the bullets are pew, pew, pew. Yeah, that's what the enemy likes to do. Ha, ha. That still didn't do it. And so the psalmist praised the Lord would quickly and suddenly change their fortune so that they would be knowing who God is. Spurgeon said, how fond men are of taunts. And if they are meanless ahas, more like animal cries than human words, it matters nothing so long as they are a vent for scorn and stinging the victim. I've had the ahas. Have you ever had the ahas? Especially in my middle school years when I looked like a bucktooth Quasimodo ostrich with an egg stuck in his throat. <laughs> Who apparently had mosquito eyes. Those are all actual ahas that were used in my day. But, still hurts a little bit, but um, <laughs> some things you grow out of and some things you don't. But the Proverbs say very wisely, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. The Lord doesn't want us to be the ones doing the ahas at our enemy when they fall. And it's tempting. When they've been doing the ahas at us, oh, oh, I just want to just. But when that time comes, you know it's not right. You know it's not right on our side. Don't rejoice when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and it displeases him, and then he turns away his wrath from him. And so, man, we would be the ones that would pray for our enemies and do good for those that hate us and spitefully treat us. Verse 4 Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Those who seek the Lord are led to a place of cheer and rejoicing and being glad. The be glad, rejoice, wish I could break it down better for you, but just in a quick study tonight, saw that it was two three-letter Hebrew words, at least in the translation. It's S-W-S-S-M-H. So rejoice and be glad is... Something like that. It means to be merry and to be gladdened. As Isaiah said in 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Okay. My soul shall be joyful by my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. I love that Isaiah in light of this verse. Because it's those who love your salvation. They seek the Lord. They come to know salvation. They love it. And they are so rejoicing. And they are so glad. And they are so merry. They're full of merriment. The merriment causes this belting out of, let God be magnified, as we did tonight. That was just joy. And Ron led us again in another song that just came off of his heart. Just of, of be exalted, be magnified. It's wonderful. I love it when people just have the songs on their heart and sing them. So, man, 
Not that I set the standard, but if you ever feel the Lord put a song on your heart, isn't that a kid's song? Got a song in my soul and I gotta let it out. It's a worship song we did as a kid. But I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God. And here's the salvation. He clothed me with garments of salvation. And I like how he expounds upon it. Covering us with robes of righteousness. Our garments of salvation are robes of righteousness. He says in another place, come let us reason together, says the Lord. Even though your sins are as scarlet, I'll make you as white as snow. He just cleans us and puts us in these white robes of righteousness, these garments of salvation. Those of you dudes out there, it's like putting on the tux on your wedding day or boots or whatever it is that you wore. And then a gal ornamenting herself, adorning herself with jewels. And the more we think about how we were wearing just rags that on our best day, our best righteous works were as filthy rags before the throne of God. Just nothing pleasing, just displeasing rather, and just worthy to be cast out of his presence. And yet, by his grace, he clothed us in garments of, of salvation. And um, one day we'll all like be with each other and be seeing each other decked out in those things, you know, and we'll be like, high five. Like, you look good. Praise God. He has clothed you in those robes of righteousness because I know what you did. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. Let God be exalted. Let him become strong and great and important. Now for us, it's like trying to make water more wet. He's strong and great and important, like Ron said. But it is pleasing for him to hear it from us. And if anything, we're magnifying him here on earth as he is in heaven. We're magnifying him here in my heart. Let, Let no rival throne survive. You're magnified here. You're the tops here and here and here. And, you know, let's just, let's magnify him in Prineville. Let's go for these prayer walks. Let's go to the viewpoint. Let's pray it out over our city. Be magnified in Prineville. Pray it over Niger. Be magnified in in Niger. Let God be magnified. Let Niger and Prineville and, you know, just as often as we pray for other places and local, you know, let... uh, us be clothed in garments of salvation and of righteousness. Interesting that at one point there was aha, aha from the enemy, but that's nearly silenced by the shouts of cheer and gladness and merriment of Lord be magnified, God be magnified. You can't even hear that. Forget it. Like, doesn't even matter. You're so teeny before him. And and this guy, this God who is magnified, he is going to quickly swoop down and rescue me and deliver me. And he has, and he will. He has done that in the person of Jesus Christ. He has done that by clothing me in garments of righteousness. And he will do that when he comes again and we see him face to face and we know him just as we are known. Praise God. Can't wait for that day. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Those who love your salvation, or in Hebrew, those who love your Yeshua, 
the same human name given to Jesus when he became man, meaning that God is salvation. And so it could be read, let such as love thy Jesus say continually, the Lord be magnified. Let such as love thy Jesus say not once a day, not twice a day, certainly not once a week. That just won't do. Continually. Twelve times in a car ride across town. Let God be magnified. Let there be continuity in our praise of him. Those who've tasted divine grace and are therefore wedded to it are a somewhat more advanced race. And these shall not only feel joy, but shall with holy constancy and perseverance tell abroad their joy and call upon men to glorify God. The doxology, let the Lord's name be magnified, is infinitely more manly and ennobling than the dog's bark of aha, aha said Spurgeon. And so verse 5, but I am poor and needy. Or as 40 says, yet the Lord thinks upon me. Make haste to me, O God. Again, hurry up. You are my help and my deliverer, O Lord. Do not delay. In other words, hurry up. (laughs) Hurry up. Or as John the Revelator said, closing out his book, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. So come, Lord. So we're going to close in worship and prayer tonight. And you know, we don't have many psalms left. We've got uh, Sunday and then... uh, just see what next Wednesday holds, but I may go back again for 71 and kind of get the whole thing. You know, we touched on some of those youth and and aging passages on Sunday, and my heart was just burning with a lot of the things that we missed there in those uh, 24 verses. We'll see, though. But, you know, here we are, and for me, the Psalms in the last two times that we've had series through it have been so comforting and so encouraging and And, you know, we have these times where we're going through trials and when just people are after us, people are sharpened vipers fangs at us, you know, uh, there's, there's, if it's not human, it's certainly spiritual, you know, the, that there's a battle going on around us, you know, and there's persecution against those that would, uh, tell people of salvation in Jesus and, and so I just felt today as I was just praying over tonight that um, we just spend a little time and just people that are going through trials and just need prayer, um, we would just spend time praying for them. And, you know, we'd be foolish to think that no one's in the same place that David was here, you know. I mean, knowing some of your stories, like there's like, this is like right up your alley right here. There's people after you. There's, I mean, this is happening. And, and for some, it's more like, she said something mean about me on Facebook. You know, and it's like, oh, that hurts though, doesn't it? I forgive you, Stephanie. But uh, other than that, no. But it's happening, isn't it? This, the pain of trials and interpersonal conflict and enemies and the wicked one. 
And we can cry out that the Lord would hurry and bring deliverance and come in strength and humiliate our enemies so that they are diverged onto another path and that that would bring great cheer and great joy as we're seeking the Lord in that way tonight. And that you wouldn't feel like you've got to look over your shoulder anymore, you know, that, that there's cheer and joy rather than fear and turmoil. And so why don't we go ahead and just, uh, you can set your things aside and